This week on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we are continuing our coverage of Bridgerton with Season 1, Episode 2. Last week, we watched the first episode in which we were introduced to Daphne, and she was trying to get a man to, to fall for her. Meanwhile, we were introduced also to Simon, who is a duke who doesn't want anything to do with anyone, and their two paths cross, and it seems like there's going to be some romance down the line here, and we'll follow up on that and more this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. And we're back to Bridgerton. That we are, Dave. And, uh, yeah, episode two. I'm, I'm excited to, to get into talking about this one. It seems like things are... Uh, picking up pace on the show after the the pilot put things in place you know mm-hmm. definitely uh yeah i mean i won't get too deep into it because we're going to talk about it in a few minutes but yes i agree <laughs> sounds like you have something on your mind dave no i, I mean we'll talk about it as we go nothing right. pressing any news on the the front of the shows that we have previously watched the downtons the crowns the not 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 the english game no, definitely not the English game. Uh, I, I just looked up some news about the Downton Abbey cast, and I saw that uh, Jimmy, you know, the butler who, who likes to get a stroke in, he ran for 200 kilometers around the Cornish coast uh, over the weekend, which, you know, for people uh, stateside, that's 124 miles. And uh, he, he did it for a, a, with a friend in honor of uh, his friend's father, who died of a rare form of dementia. So... Good job, Big Jimmy. ups to, to Jimmy out there doing a 120-mile run. That That's something. That, that takes effort. And how long? Uh, over the course of a weekend. A that's still that's, that's a long time. That's a lot of moving. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Uh, and then on top of that, there were some interviews with... Um, this is from a couple weeks ago now, but uh, with uh, Dan Stevens... Uh, where they, of course, always revisit. Like, why did you leave, uh, you know, Downton? And he said he wanted to have more variety in his career. He was afraid of uh, being typecast. Great. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. And he says, you know, he left the show eight years ago, but film executives, people who should know better, keep asking him, are you in the movie? You know, will you, will you be there? And, you know, he says, they still hope that I'll appear in a shower scene of some form, but I'm incredibly grateful for everything that the role and that show gave me so he there's he not should be grateful be a, yeah yes he absolutely should be grateful to julian yeah so there's not going to be a uh cameo with him the in shower the, scene uh, yeah i think he's kind of alluding to you know that actor uh, patrick duffy when he died on dallas and they brought him back in the shower and it was all a dream the entire time if people want to go back that far into their <laughs> soap opera dramas well apparently dan stevens does so yeah he's a, he's a duffy fan i guess uh, so yeah, don't get your hopes up for Dan Stevens coming back to Down Abbey, the movie too. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't. He mm-hmm. he he doesn't deserve the chance. He doesn't deserve the look. Yeah, he he uh, he threw it away pretty much. And he squandered it. He said, "I'm going to leave. I'm not even going to give you enough time. I'm not even going to put my two weeks in so you can give me a good ending." Yeah. Uh, last piece of Down news for anyone that cares. Uh, Catherine Stedman, who played Maybelline Fox, one of our favorites in Down Abbey, mm-hmm. her third novel is coming out this summer, uh, this month, The Disappearing Act. She is an accomplished writer, so there you go. Okay. You read the first two? Simon and Schuster. I have not, no. Are you gonna? Maybe. I'm kind of interested now. Now that I know she's an author, big fan. All right. Yeah. So uh, that's that with uh, the world of Downton, but for the most part, everything else, you know, lying low. Lying low, indeed. The, we're dormant. We're in, like, pre-movie craze. I think, you know, we're slowly settling into the dog days of summer, you know, as it goes. Mm-hmm. Nothing going on. Do you want to get to Bridgerton? No, I want to not talk about... <laughs> of course! Let's, not, let's jump into Bridgerton. Let's jump into Season Shock one. and Delight. Episode two. That's the name of this episode? Shock, Shock and, and Delight. Delight. That's right. Okay. Well, one of the things off the top that shocked me about this episode, uh, you know, having watched many Netflix series, mm-hmm. they always include the long intro every time for every episode, and they always have a skip button, 
and I always push the skip button. <laughs> but for Bridgerton, it seems like they learned, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't need to show you that long, lavish intro we did on the first episode. That was just a one-time deal. <laughs> it's like Breaking Bad. Yeah. Just like here, five here seconds, we're in, we're out, good. It's Bridgerton. You know what you're watching. <laughs> but, yeah, that that's an intro, so... I was, I was presently surprised, and I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you, Shonda. Thank, thank you. Uh, I don't recall if How to Get Away with Murder had a long intro, but I don't think so. It was ABC. More than likely not. Yeah. But, well, let's start from the top. It's a flashback. Yeah. It's it's all Simon's dad. Mm-hmm. And Simon's mother. The Duke of Hastings. Birth. Uh-huh. And he doesn't want to be in the room, and they're like, you got to go be in the room, dude. Yeah, he actually wants to be in the room, because uh, yeah, his his wife is very much in the middle of having a baby, and he almost takes the stance of like a pitcher. Like he like gets down, like squats, and he's like staring line drive down at what's coming out. And he's like, "Tell me, tell me what gender the baby is." He's just staring at the at the hoo ha now, the business going on there. He's just like, "I want to know. I want to see this baby." He's got mm-hmm. his eyes locked in. It's it's kind of weird, because. He keeps shouting to, and asking if it's a son, and the baby has clearly not arrived yet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what his expectation is for them to tell him whether it's a son or not when the head hasn't even popped out. Hey, he's just waiting, and lucky for him, it's a son. <laughs> he's willed it into existence. Uh, and then they hand him a perfectly clean baby. <laughs> yep. Perfectly clean. And then they pan over to sheets filled with blood. <laughs> yep, he just, he just flew out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the wind just whipped off everything off the the baby's you know air dried. But mom didn't make it. Nope, she lost nope. too much blood. And, and we learned the connection of Lady Danbury here that she was a friend of Simon's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and very much as uh, very so much as this is you know a flash flashback. Gotta say, Duke of Hastings looks pretty old to have a bride that young even in this fantasy realm it seems like that guy's kind of old for her well i mean we know from what's going on with lord burbrook and daphne old dudes go for young women and if the young women can't find something better they usually just go for the old dude it sounds like they've been trying for a while too so yeah it took a few years to yeah get i was, I was under the impression in the sequence that he had multiple daughters and he hated all of them so he was ready to have a son mm-hmm. but i guess he just uh Maybe they have siblings. Maybe there's more twists to this. But the impression that I'm under is that this is his kid. It's a son. And he hates it <laughs> right out the gate. Uh, yeah, real quickly. But they don't... Um, th- this does a... Uh, so so let's, I, let's just keep going down this road of uh, of these flashbacks. I still can't get over it, the way he's just in that, that chamber where they're having the baby. And the way he's just staring it down. <laughs> just like, I need to see what's coming out. It's like, I can't think of I remember back in health class, back in high school, they showed a baby being born one time, and I, I think I just, like, dry heaved in the class. I almost, like, vomited. People say it's the most beautiful experience they'll ever see. To me, it was just like, that looks like the thing from the alien. <laughs> like, uh, Hey, if you're if you're the ugh. Duke, if the Duke of Hastings, you want to make sure you got an heir. <laughs> just, just, you know, get squat down, <laughs> laser focus looking in there. He's got his eyes, he's... <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta he, see. He points to both of his eyes with his two fingers, <laughs> locked in. So um, these these flashbacks continue for pretty much the whole episode, mm-hmm. and we see the next flashback is young Simon. Got and his britches well above his be- belly button. Got oh him. yeah, they're, they're like halfway up his stomach. Doesn't fit. No. <laughs> and he's he's mute, but he can read. Mm-hmm. And we see that his father's like, "You're stupid. You're an imbecile because you can't speak." And that's pretty yeah. much the extent of that flashback. Or is this when he says no? Right. He he tries to say no, and he's he says he's an imbecile or an idiot. I think you're kind of supposed to intuit that like. He's borderline abusive towards towards his child, if not. Oh, I don't think he. That it's not very subtle. It's very clear. Yeah. He's a bad father. Yeah. And then we get and, another one, mm-hmm. where Lady Danbury shows up, and 
Simon's a little older, and he's talking a bit. And he's already he's, said he's dead to me by that point, yeah. <laughs> too. Like, as thing, soon as the kid stuttered. Th- this, this does not uh, do a great job of establishing what the distaste is, aside from the fact that this guy just thinks his kid is stupid. Right. He, w- we, he wants him to be perfect. We don't get any sort of uh, guilt that we get in, from, like, a Tom Branson... Not that that actually has that guilt, but, you know, the, the sort of the mother dying in childbirth guilt from the father onto the child. You know, we don't mm-hmm. get that. We don't say, oh, I don't like you because you killed my wife and I love her and the conflict will always be there. He's just a jerk. Yeah, it's, it's almost comically over the top how much he can't stand his son because mm-hmm. it's just like irrational on, on some level, essentially. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it, it continues to another one where young Simon and Lady Danbury go into an office where the Lord is. Well, she's already agreed. We, we, we do see a moment where she agrees to help him. She's going to make a, make the kid right. Yeah, yeah. She's Lady Danbury's real, real G in this episode, I think. She's like a fairy godmother, essentially, to this kid. Yeah, definitely. And we see that, that Lady Danbury and... A young Simon go into the the Duke of Hastings office and he says I'm getting great grades mm-hmm. I'm really good at fencing I'm really good at riding I'm good at pretty much all these high society things and the dad just says you're my worst failure well he, he does seem mildly impressed when he does list his accomplishments of you know fencing horsing uh, shooting uh, I think uh Sewing, Shooting cooking, uh, fishing—all all the Boy Scout badges that you can collect—he's he, got them all. Citizenship and co- the nation, personal yep. finance, all the badges from all the Pokemon uh, uh, gems—he's got all those. He's got all the credentials. Um, but as soon as he starts to stutter for a second, the the, the dad is pretty much just like the wrong kid died or whatever. <laughs> like you're, you're just your mistake. Essentially, and he goes after Lady Danbury when she's like, "Hey, I think you got to cool down." Mm-hmm. He's just a child. Like, what do you expect out of this kid? He can only fence, shoot, cook, clean. <laughs> He's a good kid. Yeah, yeah. And does the next is the next flashback the one where where Simon is an adult at the very end of the episode? I mean, that's not even so much a flashback. I think that's the current day. Is it the current? Much- yeah. So. Is it though, or is it? I assume well, it might be like a couple weeks prior. Well, I think they say in the last episode. Do they say that his dad is explicitly dead, or so much he has, he's there to handle his father's business, or whatever? Yeah, or like it's something like that. Wrap up, wrap up his father's business. So it's, it makes sense if it's more in this plot of the flashbacks than it is the plot of the episode. So that's why it sure. led me to believe it might be a recent, recent flashback. Dad. Either way, dad doesn't look a day older than he did when his son was born, but he's laying in bed. Mm-hmm. And, and in comes Simon. And he cuts a promo. <laughs> he pretty much just tells his dad to, to F off and he will never marry or have a sire or heir. And, you know. Do you think he was going to kill him? I thought for a second because the, the way he kind of like, the, it, he looks sinister in this scene, Simon. He looks, he looks heated, man. I, I thought it's not impossible. But no, well, he just he just gives drops the line, drops the mic, and leaves and says, "I'm gonna go party around with with Daphne Bridgerton for a couple weeks." Curses at him. Let lets him know how he's feeling. Yeah. But uh, we're not gonna repeat what he said here. We're, we're not that kind of podcast. No, I mean we might we might have to question what kind of podcast we are as the juice gets uh, more plentiful in Bridgerton. But mm-hmm. at this moment, I think this is a pretty tame episode. So as far as what we've been promised, and it's funny because we kind of get a sense of how this shaped him today because we see many scenes of uh, Simon bare knuckle brawling <laughs> in this episode, mm-hmm. just, just sparring with his one friend where it's not really relevant to the plot of the episode, just, you know, back and forth and like, Oh, I heard you're with Daphne. So what? Yeah. And then uh, Anthony comes in and it's like, let me get in there. And he just gets knocked around and, and the plot doesn't really move forward from these scenes. It, Honestly, what my takeaway was that they needed more scenes with him being shirtless. And it was just like, let's just make him a boxer. You know, have him in there with his shirt off. Prince Money. Sure. 
we also get at the top of the episode, which kind of surprised me, was him getting out of bed with a, a lady. Yeah. Which I did not take him to be that kind of guy who just got around. Exactly. I mean, I know he hangs out with Tony. And we I see think that, they, you know, yeah, they imply later in the episode that there's controversy around Simon, right? Right. And, and same kind of controversy as Anthony, Tony. Yeah. It was just something where, like, I, I, as much as it may have been taken to, you're supposed to take it with some level of understanding, seeing him hang with Tony in the last episode, the guy's much more of a brooder. And as we know, brooders brood. So I just don't expect him to be the kind of guy to, to go around hooking up with women because I feel like the guy's just too much in his own head of being a, you know, angry. Yeah, and as handsome as he is, we learn from another pretty weird subplot in this episode that, you know, fooling around is not like something people are doing based on their looks necessarily as much as like he so he's like flaunting either his appearance or his title to get these sort of hookup women you know Mm -hmm. like there's no way to 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 put it otherwise like he's he's hooking up some by some by hook or crook and and he can't just be like we say brooders brood there needs to be a reason women want to be with him unless he's paying I mean he is handsome man he is handsome yeah, but we we see two eligible young women that don't know how to make a baby. So, like, how is he doing this to women without taking advantage of them? Well, it's just how how is he doing it to them? You know, I don't. I mean, I don't without mean, even trying. I don't mean that. <laughs> I just mean what doing something to doesn't him. doesn't necessarily cast a, a kind light on our our pal Simon. Simon, yeah. I don't know why I said his name like that. It's just like, yeah, boy. <laughs> Simon I mean, good going, on him for, for having fun. Yeah, man. But if Brooders brood, this dude seems to be happy enough to, to enjoy that transaction. <laughs> Got more power to him. On the flip side of this is uh, Daphne. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Dave. This narration from Julie Andrews, great to have Julie Andrews. All due respect to her. Incredible performer. Her narration to the show is just a lot to take. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it's way too arch. It's way too just like knowing in terms of the story that it's telling. And I, I just wish it, would, if it was a little bit more straightforward. If it wasn't so just like winking at the audience with every step of the way. <laughs> but it's also we, we learn she's an unreliable narrator. So mm-hmm. and, and the cast are literally trying to deceive her. So it, it it's bizarre that she's not a character at this moment, aside from being a talking, just a uh, voice, you know? Right. I mean, I, I don't want to say she's unreliable so much as she's informing us of what the general perception is of the area around this family, while mm-hmm. you know the Bridgertons knowingly know what's actually going on. I think that's what it do, it's doing, really, is just setting the table for what's going on in the town around here. And mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but uh, as it tells us, uh, Daphne is emerging like a phoenix now that she was seen dancing with the Duke. Uh, that people are all of a sudden interested in her again because someone of importance actually took interest in her. So, Yeah, and we see throughout the episode she is re- she's receiving lots of visitors and lots of flowers. Yeah, they're, they're all into her. Um, meanwhile, she's still trying to work the gimmick here where she's negotiating with him to go to eight balls uh and he says uh six or or they negotiate down to six but then she also throws in like well we should have like a a a luncheon or something in the afternoon there's a certain number of appearances that we need to make together Mm -hmm. it sounds like to to build the clout long enough that she can get a better man or a a good man Mm -hmm. and she wants nice flowers expensive flowers she says yeah, it almost reminds me of like modern day celebrities. The way you see that they're quote unquote dating, but they're really just arrangements to hang out with each other to, to get people talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it works though. Oh, it works works very well. Uh, we see Mrs. Bridgerton and and another one of these other generation characters watching them on a little promenade, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, is it Lady Danbury?" He's like these. This is where ever they deceive everybody. Everyone, or, or rather, they're trying to deceive everybody. But who knows where their hearts yeah. truly stand? Well, I, at one point, Featherington is wondering how it happened mm-hmm. from the other family. It just kind of happened so quickly. Like how, how how did that connection come about? You don't want to know. 
yeah, and it's one of those things too where Eloise, her sister, is you know she's hanging out with Penelope, and they 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 don't think much of it. They're they're too busy wondering how how do babies appear. So we just knock this plot out real fast. Which reminder, both these actresses are in their thirties. Yeah, in the thirties, <laughs> and and they're playing, and they're they don't look it at all. They 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 look like they're they're fifteen, as I said last week. I don't think they look like they're fifteen. I think they look like they're twenty twenty five. Okay, they look super young though. They look old uh, enough to know how to make babies. That's that's the thing I'm getting at. They look old enough that they had that like <laughs> education, <laughs> so it's just kind of baffling. But they're also dimwits. Like Penelope goes to Sienna and mm-hmm. says, "How'd you get? How how did you become with child?" And yeah. Sienna goes into the story about how it's love and that she met this boy at church and. The boy passed her little cupcakes or something, and it it became more than that. And then Penelope goes and tells Eloise that it's like it's love is how you have a baby. And but like, the, well, with love, you need to get married. So marriage is the the thing that uh, obviously unlocks having a baby at, at some point. <laughs> I don't. It, it, this is a bafflingly dumb plot. <laughs> I love the idea that in this universe, or even back then. There, there was this bewilderment that like people may have hooked up and and, and had sex and stuff like that, but it, you didn't have a baby unless you were in love. You mm-hmm. know <laughs> that, that that's what their their takeaway is maybe, that, but they don't even probably know what sex is exactly yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they absolutely don't. Yeah, but I, I just think this is a funny thing. All things considered, with last week or last episode, uh, Penelope is getting bullied, mm-hmm. and. Colin Bridgerton swoops in in, in this sort of um, not Cinderella, this sort of like a gallant this, gentleman. Yeah, yeah, this gentleman moment where you know he's going to sweep this this uh, ugly duckling kind of character who's not the traditional beauty off her feet and get the bullies to go like, oh, well, who does who does? Oh, what? Maybe we were wrong, you know that kind of story. Mm-hmm. And now we're led to believe that that Colin Bridgerton swept this. Uh, 15 year old off her feet but she doesn't know a thing about a thing like she's just some right. adult the whole time and he's nowhere to be seen this episode really yeah, I think he's like in the one background. line yeah yeah really scaled him back for this episode um but yeah i mean we see some conversations between penelope and eloise and the thing is you know they try to tie it into this progressive plot where they they want to go to the university they want to be more than just like someone's you know trophy wife or whatever mm-hmm. Together, you know, we see Eloise smoking at night, and that would be a moment to bring in Colin. But they bring in Tony anyways to, to be the guy to talk to her about, you know, how she doesn't want to have kids or or anything like that. And one of the big things she carries with her is she talks to Daphne at the end of this episode about how she heard their mother crying throughout the night when they had their third sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the sister's name. Health Violet? Is it, no, no, uh, no, no, Prudent. No, 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 no. no. It's Hithnica or something or Mithnica. Hyacinth. Hyacinth. I. It's not a name. That is just completely. It's a flower. It's kind of flower. It's a. It's a. It's a British name. Sure. Okay. You never. You, it's a you never watched Keeping Up Appearances on PBS. I've never heard of that show. Oh, is it like an '80s or '90s show on? Uh, okay. All of all of our fans that that watched. Uh, oh, it was. For, it was Ended in the 90s. Yeah, that's the okay. main character's name is Hyacinth in that show. Either way, though, she's telling her sister how hearing how much of a struggle it was for their mom to have that third child, it haunts her. It makes her terrified of having a kid. So it's a weird thing where, like, yes, she wants to be progressive and go to school, but also they make it seem like she's just afraid of childbearing <laughs> and that mm-hmm. whole thing. And it's just like... Pick your pick your lane. Is it because she really wants to be like an independent woman, or is it just because she's like afraid of this or what love is? I mean, it could be both, but I feel like if you're really trying to hammer home, home this point of her being this independent woman, it, you're you're kind of taking the easy way out and saying it's because she's afraid of this rather than her really wanting to be progressive and, and make her own way. I and think. if you want her to be an independent, strong, smart woman, don't have her fooling around asking how to make a baby. If anything, I mean, she is. could come to Penelope and be like, are you dumb, Penelope? This is what happens. 
to its credit, it is fun to see them go back and forth on this and, and to see them snicker about this whole thing. But there should be at least a capper moment or scene where they have a book in this episode and they read about how babies are conceived. Something to just educate them. Because this quick. is too dumb of a plot for me to want to see it pop up in the next episode. Yeah, it's like a cute little side piece, side uh, piece of story. But like mm-hmm. anything beyond that. Come on, we're, we're adult. Because that's the thing. It goes back to who are you pitching this show towards in a lot of ways. That's a, that's very much a teeny bopper kind of plot line, but you have some very adult themes, uh, you know, in the in the show. So, kind of confused a little bit in terms of its storytelling. Yeah, and uh, that's really all we get for Sienna this episode, right? She just in that one scene in the bedroom. Sienna, who's Thompson, right? That's her name. Marina, you mean? Is it? Did I write it? Yeah, yeah, Marina. I don't know why I said Sienna. Yeah, Marina. All we see is she's just laid up in the bed, uh, eating with Penelope, having a snack. uh, Yeah, she's not doing too hot. I don't think yet. She's not. Was they ask her about her condition? (laughs) Yeah, that was brought about by love and like her condition. You mean you mean pregnant? (laughs) Um, They can't even say the word. It's so strange. So strange. Yeah, it's just yeah, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing where they they play up Colin a lot in the last episode. They play up Marina a lot, and then they're just kind of taking the back seat <laughs> uh, to some weird side plots. So, I mean, which is I'd rather that than than have them in dumb plots. So let's see where the show goes from here. You, you don't want to see plots with those two? No, I mean, if we this is there's a plan here. So I mean, I would like to see a little more of them, but this is a mm-hmm. we got to get the Still boxing early going. Yeah, yeah, they they got to lay set the table. Uh, and we do have to get the boxing scenes in. We need more shirtless um, Jean Page. <laughs> Rege Jean. Uh, I, I can't say his name. Can you, Dave? Where is it written down? He's not that high up on the IMDb, it, weirdly. It's Rege Jean Page. Got it, it. Okay. Uh, we need him more shirtless. <laughs> yep. Unlike, uh, uh, unlike Downton, which teases Branson for like seasons, just have one shot. This dude or is even, flexible. Yeah, yeah. You, you only see hints of abs there. Uh, or even Colin Firth in Pride and Prejudice where he's just wearing a shawl, uh, essentially, <laughs> over, over the top half of his body. <laughs> All right, so yeah, let's get back to the Daphne uh, story. Yeah, so uh, Burbark is still a, a thorn in her side. He's still coming around. Mm-hmm. And he says it's because of Anthony. Anthony has made an arrangement. Yeah, there was already some paperwork to say that she's betrothed to him, you know? Mm-hmm. They're going to get married. And Anthony is like, man, I looked at all the, the suitors, and this guy did seem great. And he, he checked all the boxes. But now you're telling me he, he you, you beat him up. I don't know how this is going to work out for us. Well, they don't find out that he beat him up until that scene with uh, Simon at the ball. Right. But we yeah, see that she's... See, Daphne's like, no, 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 I got a thing going with Simon. And Anthony's like, no, you, Tony Tony's knows this ain't, this ain't right. Something's mm-hmm. not going on here. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, as you're saying, Dave, there's the ball where Bearbrook shows up. Black eye does not look good. It looks really rough. And uh, that's where it comes out of what went on. And Tony's like, oh, wait a second, Burbrook, you're not what I thought you were. <laughs> Get away from my sister. <laughs> well, Simon says, he, he says, why don't you oh, right. ask him how he got that black guy? And then Simon mm-hmm. spills, he says, he spilled his beans. And then that, yeah, Tony, right. Mr. You know, Nobleman, says, you're done. The deal mm-hmm. is off. You're nothing to me. Get out of my life. I hate you. But Bur- <laughs> Burbrook is like, no, 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 no. Not, not so fast. And then we see the scene where, where is it Simon is walking down the alley and Burbrook is following him, calling well, him out? Yeah, but you're, you're skipping over an important uh, beat here where uh, Daphne, you know, you think she'd be appreciative uh, of, you know... Uh, of Simon letting... Simon the- telling Tony about this, but she's not. You know, she, she's kind of saying, like, let me fight my own battles. Yeah, you, she you don't she have knows to this, is con- this is potential controversy. Right. Even the act it's of her being alone in a, a meadow or whatever you want to call it with a man is enough to 
ruin the family's name, which in turn ruins her sister's names and her brother's mm-hmm. names. And, and it goes her back parent, to you know, mom. She, she was saying in the last episode how her whole life has led to this moment of her being presented and, and getting married. And to just throw it all away for something like that, it, it's just not worth it. So she's not very pleased with Simon uh, doing that. So, yeah. you know, that, of course, Simon's got to take it out in some, some boxing. Uh, but oh, as you Some saying, boxing. As you were saying. That, that knockout kid. Uh-huh. Burbrook, Bur- Burbrook is coming around to Simon, saying, like, leave mm-hmm. her alone. And he's saying he needs Daphne. He says, you're a duke. You get whoever you want. This is my only ticket to, to society. Mm-hmm. And Simon is like, "Can't like, come on, man. Talk to her about it. And Simon, Burbrook says, when I'm buying a horse, I don't negotiate with the horse. <laughs> and then Simon, Simon, that young knockout kid. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. The bell rings and he's off to the. Yeah. He, How dare you? <laughs> he punches more than Floyd Mayweather. He lays out <laughs> Burbrook. Yeah. Gets the life out of him. This is great. As he should. Burbrook deserves this. He's he's total trash. <laughs> uh, he's got he's got that edge that you know came from his father. You know the Duke of Hastings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, he, he lets him know what's up, but it doesn't last long because Burbrook's not not done with. And I think we kind of jumped the gun and saying it, but you know they're having the luncheon that uh, or tea time that the Duke agreed to appear uh, with Daphne at. But that's where Burbrook shows up saying like, "I got papers here, I got papers saying we're getting married." And Daphne's like, "Oh no, there's nothing I can do about there's nothing this. I can do." And then there's is is it before this or after this that her mother sits her down and says. You know, being a wife isn't that bad. Like, you get to have kids, you get to have a house. Like, it kind of stinks that you're with this Burbrook dude, but you're. it's not an awful life that you have ahead of you. And Daphne's, think, like, sinking into this realization that she's going to have to marry Burbrook to, like, keep the peace. Yeah, I think that's a little bit before the scene. But when Burbrook comes in and makes a, makes a huge scene and everything and is so adamant about this, about the way he threatens the family, I think that's when it changes the tune of her mother. Like. Mm. Oh man, we we can't have this happen. This oh, guy we, is crooked. Did we we also kind of skipped over the fact that? Um, oh no no, we're not quite there yet. No, we haven't skipped so, over anything. Yet. We haven't skipped over anything. So the the Mrs. Bridgerton is also invited to a tea, a tea date with the Queen, Queen Charlotte. Which goes back to the Queen wants to oversee you know happiness for everyone in her you know town or whatever mm-hmm. kingdom. I don't know exactly what she oversees exactly. She's the queen. Uh, they don't really illuminate that, do they? No, and I felt like this scene didn't do much for me aside from just kind of flesh out the queen a little more. Yeah, she wants control over the situation. She, she wants to assert that Daphne will be happily married to someone, you know, especially mm-hmm. if the Duke, that'd be great. So she invites Lady Bridgerton over to you know hash it out, like what's going to go down here. To do a lot of blow with her. That is just crazy to me. Again, the tonal shifts of the show are, are just kind of all over the place. She is just ripping coke in this scene. Mm-hmm. She says, and she casts out her like butler mm-hmm. because he's a. He, they say he's. He, I'm getting the sprat implication that he's a loudmouth and a gossip. So she says, "Get my other snuff box," and she's just doing blowing lines the whole time. Yeah, I mean, she starts off with a line, and then she takes a bump at the end of the scene to just keep it going. And it's like, what? Who are you exactly? I don't know what we're supposed to think She's of this. The queen. Lady. She's doing what she wants. It's it's kind of what I hope the crown was actually on some level. We saw oh, I'm certain the Elizabeth crown doing was some like bumps. That. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Or, or Prince Phil. Oh mm-hmm. man, <laughs> absolutely. Well, we know they were on that uh, like JFK. They were on that um, Chris that that methamphetamine. Oh, that's right. Medical treatment. <laughs> you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Um, so, but I feel like the scene with the queen does not does not accomplish all that much aside from setting the tone of who the queen is. The queen kind of likes this sandbox, mm-hmm. stirring the pot. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think what it leads into is just you know, I think her takeaway is just have her have Daphne settle down with someone, and I think this really triggers the mother to be like. You know what? We gotta set things in motion here. I need to meet with uh, the mother of Burbrook mm-hmm. and, and figure out what the deal is. Meanwhile, I'm gonna run some schemes on the back end on my own without telling anyone. Now, this is a very Downton Abbey movie. We have the downstairs staff r- doing work. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the most down thing about this episode is the concerns that Burbrick will share the story that will ruin the family and it will be spread through a newspaper. It's like, I, I think we've seen that one before in Down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a rumor in a newspaper we, destroying the reputation of a, the house, the lead lady of the house. But we don't see that. it thwarted the way that we see it in this episode. Well, no. It, it's, yeah. Richard Carlyle would be all in on this regardless. He wouldn't have mm-hmm. a dog in the fight as long as the papers are selling. Sure. So they find out through... Well, the, what do you think of Miss Burbrook, the mother? Honestly, this episode was... I was I was riding it, and, and she didn't make a massive impression on me. I think it was pretty good casting. Because when you look at her, you're like, oh, I can see where Burbrook came from. She's got mm-hmm. the choppers. she got the front teeth. She eats while talking. And she sounds really obnoxious. Like, whoever casted her, A-plus a job. I think it was uh, Shonda Rhimes casted her, so oh, thank okay. you. Okay, gotcha. But yes, so so we see that a maid was sent away because Lord Burbrook got her pregnant. Uh-huh. And she was sent away in a, a, in a scandal far it, away. It's so funny because, yeah, I mean, they, they say, like, if you want to find out the secrets, you just got to talk to the help. And it's it's so true. They they know everything that's going on. And now they have something they can use against Burbrook to pretty much just tank uh, his reputation and take him out of the running to marry Daphne. Mm-hmm. And all they do, she says, uh, ladies have to do what ladies have to do. And that's talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the conversations start, and we see a little montage of the word spreading, and sure enough, our our, our narrator, Whistledown, is reporting mm-hmm. that there's something something is going on far yeah, away in the countryside. Soon enough, we see Burbrook reading the the Whistledown paper, and uh, everyone's looking at him, and he's he's pretty furious because now he's just done for, <laughs> game over. Mm-hmm. You you thought you were gonna take Daphne's hand now you got nothing bro but your own hand mm-hmm. that's all that's all that's happening with you brother yeah okay <laughs> it's a good work I mean, on Ma's part uh, yeah and by and large that's the episode we do see uh, uh, Daphne and Simon at the end of the episode dancing again he he, he she kind of you know suggests him we don't have to keep this up, actually, because <laughs> things are, seem to be working out for me. But he seems okay to keep carrying out this proposition, and we get a hint of interest from him towards her because she's seen he sees her dancing with another man, and he's like, "Hmm." And we see he puts his hand I'm on go her curse back. Curse out my dad now. <laughs> what? Well, that definitely is. It's not in sequence those those things because it's di- no, a different he, outfit. Well, okay. He's wearing sure. he's because I do think they play with his color. Like Lady Danbury at one point is like, you gotta spice things up. That you know everything. The London season is so boring already. You gotta look colorful. And then we see him in some purple, and in this mm-hmm. last scene he's wearing red, which sure. I think is uh, I think it's all very indicative of where he's standing as far as his willingness to play the game versus who he is as this sort of guy mm-hmm. who tells his dad he's gonna never have a child. So yeah, he he's kind of zoned out. And Lady Danbury's like, what's on your mind? He's like, oh, I was just thinking about how I cussed out my dad. Mm-hmm. You know how yeah, it goes. Remember when I cussed out my my pat? <laughs> really showed him. But he is, <laughs> so he puts his hand on Daphne's back, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> she got <Mama."> back." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is into it. Um, yeah, that's, that is the episode. And it's funny you can tell like how complicated these episodes are based on the speed with which we get through them. Not too much going on in this <laughs> this episode. Just a lot of just back and forth. Hmm. But I, I, fine. I really like this episode. You know, I think that I said that the last mm-hmm. episode was a lot of table setting. I feel like it was enough table setting that I, I was in on the characters. I was in on the, the ups and downs. I didn't like the things about the two 30-year-old women not knowing how babies are made. But mm-hmm. as far as the rest of the episode was concerned, I was pretty much all in, I would say. It, it, it keeps skipping along uh, at, at a steady pace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think... They have a good foil there, and, and Burbrook uh, and Simon going against them really, really kept me hooked in. And then, of course, you, you get someone like that dad coming in hot, saying lines like "You keep your bitch mouth shut," things like that. You know, 
It's just like, That's all drama. right, they're, they're, they're slinging heat in there. That's drama. Well, I would love to see um, <laughs> Bates and uh, Duke of Hastings square off. Which Duke? Uh, Simon or his father? His father. Bates would kill the dad so fast. <laughs> Robert would, too. Robert would do the, his, his back fist that he does to so, Bricker. So, so what happens? Duke Hastings says, keep your bitch mouth shut. And then Bates says, you bastard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or you bitch. He's got swings at him. He's got the the limp corrector. It's a foreign object. Game oh, over. Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't actually need it. Uh, so yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, better than the pilot, I'd say. De- oh yeah, yeah, way better than the pilot. Way more enjoyable. The pilot was just a little awkward. Now were there were there pop songs here? Because I was I didn't catch any. No, I, I didn't notice them. There was only one time where you could actually hear like music being played in the background, but. I mean, it could have been the Peanuts theme. I, I I didn't notice what it was. Yeah, and I, I was listening, and maybe I know you have a better um, pop repertoire than I do, so, so I thought maybe you would have picked up on something, but apparently not, so that's no. good. Hey, if any of our listeners are like, hey, you totally missed this, let us know. It sounded close to the Peanuts theme, which I would love if the show just dropped that in the background. Just yeah, Shonda's <laughs> like, the most contemporary song of all time, Linus and Lucy <laughs> yeah. by Vince Guaraldi. <laughs> Yeah. So good. At a ball? Oh my gosh. Think about that. <laughs> sure. Well, let's get to these power uh, rankings before we get too caught up in uh, the yeah. Peanuts theme. Who do you have going down? Number three, I have Daphne. Mm-hmm. It's I, we haven't really spoke about it yet. She's really, I think, a weak link in this episode. She she is so just consigned to having to be with uh, Bearbrook because of him threatening the family and stuff. She literally, I don't think does anything in this episode, except reprimand Simon when he, when he helps her for a second, because she's concerned about her reputation. She doesn't do anything. It's everyone else who's doing stuff for her and around her. She's very much a side plot player. And it kind of, how can you have power when you're not doing anything? You know? mm-hmm. Well, at the bottom, I've complained plenty. It's Penelope and Eloise. Okay. Can't do it. It's too dumb. It's too unbelievable for for these sort of proto feminists to be so clumsily aloof or clumsily okay. ignorant. They, you know, they would have opened the encyclopedia if they would have, you know, wanted to find out that information. That's that's entirely fair. Uh, they, they need to learn a little bit to to move up the rankings. They're, they're on the Daisy level of. Uh, of hey, education. Penelope was Penelope was on my up rankings last week. I really had high hopes. So it goes. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where, where it's just like you, you think you know a person, then you learn that they don't know this and they don't know that. And it's like, wait, what do you know? <laughs> hey, not <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, number two, I got the Duke of Hastings. Uh, pops the guy or doesn't, Simon? The Pops. So no, get the Pops s- definitely has to be dead because they call Simon the Duke. In the, okay. That's right? true. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just going by IMDb. They only refer to him as Duke Hastings uh, Senior. Yeah, not Senior, just Duke Hastings. So... Doesn't get the son that he wants, and then he pretty much gets told off by his son. Yeah, son when he realizes the son is, is indeed what he wanted him to be, mm-hmm. he gets that sort of, heck no. Sounds well, you. you got the Duke of Hastings, and so do I, but I have Simon. Oh, really? Because I feel like this dude has, it, the skeletons in his closet have emerged. He has a mm-hmm. troubled past. He has daddy issues. Uh, and we see that he's... He, he is the one that I think did not want this arrangement to become real. Mm-hmm. And I think we see it with his jealousy and we see it with him feeling those vibes. I think he's a little... And, and we see he's, he's his... Um, as we talked about with him waking up with the woman next to him, his he's not a, as noble of a dude as we thought he was. Not quite. Not so quite, I, think, I think there's a lot of things that we're going to learn about this man and... I don't think all of them are going to be good. Okay. Well, number one going down, I feel like it, this can't be that controversial. It's, it's Bearbrook. It's he Bearbrook. Gets that up. boy gets, he gets laid out. Yeah, he is. I, I'd, li- I'd love to see him try and come back from this. That, that You know, he has this bastard child. DNA uh, tests don't exist back then, so you can't really conclusively uh, prove that it's not his. Oh, he's in um, Dairy Girls, too. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. So people sense. like Bear Book and they want to see more of his ugly face, they can go watch uh, Dairy Girls. He's only in two episodes of Dairy Girls, though, but okay. I definitely remember that but face. The, the guy is definitely going down, unquestionably. Oh, he's miserable. It, awful. Yeah. 
Well, who's going up for you, Dave? At uh, number three, I got Daphne. In what way? Because I think that she's, I think she's getting all the attention of these men. They put okay. this this uh, obstacle in front of her. She doesn't have to do any work really, and it goes away. And her stock is at an all time high. And like I said, in regards to Simon being on my down list, I don't think, rather, I don't think Daphne is is too upset at the fact that Simon's falling for her, for her. That's true. That is true. Doesn't have to do much to get there. She just gets there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a... That's why she's on the bottom of the top, you know? She didn't earn it, but she got it. Well, number three, I got uh, Lady Danbury. She does a heck of a job coaching up that kid. She's my number two. Yeah, she she teaches that kid how to speak. And at some point, that kid stops wearing his his pants above his belly button. Yeah. Gets him right. And we see that Simon, in all of his sort of questionable ethics, he is a sort of doting son figure to her. He's always there for her when she needs him. She's walking arm he's a walking arm in arm with her at those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a great relationship that these two have. It's interesting though that they they wait till the second episode to really spell out that relationship because in the first episode you're kind of just wondering why is this lady Danbury hanging around all the time? Like what's her connection to everything? She's just mm-hmm. there. <laughs> uh it would have been helpful to know this context like even earlier. <laughs> Well, now you now not, you not know, but then I guess these but. are bit, there. Are a lot of people binge this show, watch two or three or four right. episodes at so a time. So it all blurs together. All, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're doing the weekly thing. Well, Dave, who's number two? For, oh, you have Danbury. Well, Lady number Danbury. two for me, I got Simon. The dude beats the crap out of uh, Bearbrook, mm-hmm. tells his father off. <laughs> it is a good week for him. It, there's some, there are good things that he does, and he's also a stellar be- a bare knuckle brawler. So like all all the kudos to him. He's the one running the negotiation table with the, with uh, Daphne. She she really doesn't have much say in how this is going to roll. So I don't think he Simon's knows I don't think he knows when to fold him. I don't think he knows when to walk away. No. No, he's he's definitely not Kenny Rogers, you know, but good for Simon. Well, who's number 1, Dave? I got Mrs. Bridgerton. Me too. She, she did it. She gets called him for a meeting with the queen, big deal. Mm-hmm. And then she she sets in motion this plan to to not only unearth Lord Lord uh, Burbrook's bad behavior, mm-hmm. but she also plays Lady Whistledown like to her favor. Like she totally knows what she's Absolutely. doing. It's great. It's a very uh, cool little story. I think. Yeah, I mean, she successfully had that third child that we heard was a was a challenge. That's for her. true. And That's true. She does not get wrapped up in the coke habits of the queen. Uh, so. All the more power to her. So, I'm excited to see what other kind of things that she she uh, does in the series. It really kind of sets her up as someone who, you know, isn't just a background character. She's going to be a, a power player in some Definitely. ways. I'm in a good way. I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah, I like her a lot. So, power to the Bridgertons. Indeed. Good job, that, M- Mother Bridgerton, whatever her name yeah. is. What's the? Yeah. So that is this week on uh, Bridgerton. And That's we'll right. continue next week with season one, episode three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, thanks, Chris Van Dusen, the the writer of the show. You, you did a good job this week. Yeah, it was we an enjoyable really, episode. We haven't really even said his name, Chris Van Dusen. Is he related to Chris Van Houten from High Court Castle Gin? I don't think so. Just by virtue of having a van in your last name, I don't think that's how it works. Ah, uh, okay, shame. Yeah, but. He's also from. Uh, looks like just on a quick search, he's from Camden, Maine. So, oh, so he's a he's a northern he's an American from our co- our coast. Well, that was one thing I wanted to bring up about the show that it definitely, in a lot of ways, feels like it's an American interpretation of British uh, properties. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's something decidedly just I don't know put on about it that that doesn't feel authentic in a lot of ways. That's uh, true. It definitely does feel like a a Netflix uh, algorithm-based equation it, show. Not that that's a bad thing. No, but in a lot of ways, when I'm watching it, I'm just thinking of Paul Rudd and Forgetting Sir Marshall doing his British <laughs> impersonation. Like you sound like you're from London, and that's how I feel like this show is saying pretty often <laughs> because okay. it just doesn't know how doesn't have that authenticity. But there are I looked up there are British writers on the show. But good representation. We need those Brits in the writers' room. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, there you have it, Bridgerton. But, Dave, what, what else have you been watching? 
I'm I, I think halfway through season three of The Sopranos. I'm still still that train still rolls on. Okay, a lot more to go. Uh, aside from that, I I watched the back half of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, trying to catch up for Loki. What'd you think? Well, I didn't even know how many episodes there were, mm-hmm. so I got to episode six. And all the stuff that happens, happens. And then I sort of figured out halfway through the episode, it was the last episode. And I was like, this is bad. This is dumb. <laughs> I feel like the pilot for that show was really good because it set up a lot of interesting storylines. And then it pretty much focused on the least interesting storyline, which was like this, you know, terrorist group, whatever. And mm-hmm. like, it just didn't go enough places. It didn't do enough interesting. And it's it's the girl who plays the terrorist in Solo, plays the terrorist yeah. in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But I feel like Solo... She takes her mask off at the very end of the movie and has like a paragraph of dialogue explaining why she's doing what she's doing, and you sympathize for her so much more than this terrorist in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because they go so so much back and forth with that that character and, and that show, you're, it's not clear mm-hmm. who, what you're supposed to feel. And like honestly, I know Loki is coming out this week, but I I don't feel enthused based on the past two efforts between WandaVision and Winter Soldier because it just doesn't add up to much either of those shows mm-hmm. they're like teasers for the actual movies more than anything yeah uh, definitely yeah what about you what but, have you been uh, watching Corey I'm, I've been watching I mentioned last week The Mayor of Easttown honestly I'm, I'm, I only got like a couple episodes left it's maybe one of the best dramas I've watched in recent memory like straight okay. up it, it's really compelling uh, and yeah Kate Winslet I don't know what else can be said about her she's just an incredible actress and kind of craving some Wawa's and even she vapes so much in the show it's like maybe vaping isn't that bad we can go maybe to Wawa <laughs> I'll, I'll pick you okay. up from the train we'll go to Jersey we'll go to some Wawa's they they, they made a, a, a hoagie in her honor actually uh, oh. so there you have it but yeah I highly highly recommend that show only seven episodes they're HBO hour longs but it's good it's good stuff yeah um, hold on before before we wrap up mm-hmm I want to plug my brother has a new Battlestar Galactica podcast. Oh, he does. Of the new uh, of the 2004 Battlestar Galactica? No, um I'm actually I have no I don't have any context for Battlestar Galactica, but I know I think they're they might be doing episodic breakdowns. Mhm. So um I forget where I saw it. Um keep your eye if you're a Battlestar Galactica fan, reach out to us on the Twitter and and I will tell we'll you. It. But I honestly don't. I don't want to get the name wrong now and have you going down a rabbit hole. So we'll have a, a more <laughs> accurate breakdown. But my brother and two of his friends have a episodic Battlestar Galactica breakdown podcast. So, all right. So let's keep an eye out for that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you know where to find it. Uh, Lords of Grantham Twitter. We got a Facebook, Gmail, Instagram, uh, Patreon, and uh, yeah, no advertisements this week, folks. And as I said, they'll probably be slow coming. Uh, who, who knows when there'll be one in the future but yeah hey if you're an advertiser you get a product you think yeah. it'll come to Lord of Grantham fans you think we'll, we'll give it our okay then mm-hmm. let us know yeah otherwise we'll catch you next time on the pod <laughs>